Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Joining us is uh, Robert Stinnett, uh, author of Day of Deceit. He was an American sailor, uh, has 10 battle stars, and uh, his book has been uh, very interesting to me and a lot of people. So, um, how are you doing today, uh, Robert? Well, I'm looking forward to our interview. Fantastic. So uh, now, uh, tell tell people a little bit about you, if they don't know who you are, and uh, wh- what your a little bit of your history. Yes, uh, I was. Uh, uh, I joined the Navy in uh, December first, nineteen forty-two, and uh, was assigned to the USS San Jacinto, which was a light aircraft carrier of the Pacific Fleet, and uh, we were part of the main uh, task force that was attacking the Japanese uh, Imperial Navy, uh, and uh, one of our officers was a, an ensign by the name of George Bush, and he was the photographic officer of the squadron uh, torpedo squadron of the San Jacinto. And, uh, as you can guess, as George H.W. Bush became a, eventually became president of the United States. And, but I knew him first 
as a photographic officer of the uh, of his uh, torpedo squadron. So uh, we both learned aerial photography and used it against the Japanese Navy in World War II. Wow. That's quite a history. Uh, d- 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 did you get to know him very well back then? Oh, yes. He was very dedicated. He, he was a, a pilot, but he was also in charge of aerial photography from his torpedo bomber. So he would come back to the photo lab on the San Jacinto, and, uh, uh, and we would discuss the, uh, the, the targets for each day, a landing beach at Tullyloo or Saipan, that sort of thing, and, and how the photography would be accomplished. And it was, it was a lot of fun. He's always making jokes, and uh, there was no uh, officer uh, uh, put-down to, to us photographers. Wow, that's great. Did you ever think he'd become president? <laughs> Oh, I had no idea, but, but but I liked him so much. I took a lot of photographs of him, and uh, most of the photographs of him uh, I took that were used later in his campaigns. Wow, that's quite an interesting history there. So, so what brought you into uh, writing the book, um, Day of Deceit? Like, how did you get to there? Well, uh, I was, of course, very interested in uh, uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor that was used uh, by President Roosevelt as a uh, means to get us into the war in, in uh, 1941. But uh, so I was reading all sorts of books and uh, military books that were put out by authors, generally from the from the East Coast. Uh, and from the Ivy League uh, uh, universities and, and, and so forth. But uh, in 1982, I read a book by David Prang called At Dawn We Slept. And uh, uh, in it, he had a throwaway line, just about a, less than a paragraph, that the Navy had a intercept station or a monitor station they were listening to the Japanese Imperial Navy uh, radio broadcast. Well, that was the first time I'd heard of that. Because it uh, was top secret. We were not uh, discussing it aboard the San Jacinto. And uh, so I wanted to find out more about the monitor station. Because if we were listening into the Japanese uh, orders to their fleet, Pearl Harbor could not have been a secret uh, uh, attack. And so uh, uh, I went to, uh, I worked at the time on the Oakland Tribune. And I thought that uh, this uh, monitor station, if it existed, would be make a good uh, December 7th, 1982 story for Pearl Harbor. And I went to my editor and told him about it. He said, oh, by all means, go over to Hawaii and see if, if that's true. So I filed a FOIA, that's a Federal Information Act with the Navy. I came to see the station. They granted it to me, believe it or not. And so I went over there, and with my wife, uh, we met uh, uh, the, the, some of the radio operators that were guides uh, 
at the Pearl Harbor facility at Pearl Harbor around the USS Arizona. So that's where I met the the, the cryptographers that were listening to the to the messages, and they told me where I would find more information. So that sent me on a on a survey to the National Archives. I'm still using, and I'm in my twenty or twenty second, twenty third year on it now. Wow! Now, being a sailor and being in the the Navy and doing all this, how how was your feeling toward uh, FDR at the time? I mean, before you knew any of this, like, uh, did you did you think he was a good president? Everything was well. Oh yes, I uh, I. Uh, I supported the, the fact he was the first president I voted for in 1944. But prior to that, I was a great admirer of him, and he was trying to get us to uh, establish aircraft carriers and fleet units that could be used to fight Germany. And so I was quite aware of uh, the isolation movement in this country that did not want to get involved in Europe's war. That's what that was called. And so I was sort of a news junkie, a teenager at the time, and I would listen to uh, Edward R. Murrow and Hans Kaltenborn uh, to NBC and CBS radio networks reporting what was going on in Germany. Yeah, so so it it was really tough to get a lot of information back then. Like it wasn't as easy as it is now, is it? Was it? It was. Well, of course, it was all secret uh, what was going on, and uh, by what was secret was the uh, how to get uh, do away with the isolation movement in this country and get the United States to fight uh, Germany again as a World War Two. Because in World War One, uh, we made a lot of uh, loans to European countries. We sent our troops over there. They were gassed by the by the, uh, the Germans in, in in the battlefields of Europe. And Americans wanted nothing to do uh, again with a, another world war. And that was the situation that the president faced in. Uh, in the late 1930s and early 1940s. So he was trying to uh, uh, use deceit uh, to get us into the war uh, with Germany by getting Japan uh, to uh, attack us. And Japan was using deceit to hide all of this. So it was, it was deceit versus deceit. Uh, and and, and uh, the U.S. Navy found out all about this because we were monitoring the Japanese naval radio network, which extended uh, uh, all throughout the Pacific Basin. And we had monitor stations from San Diego north to Seattle in your area to to, uh, Dutch Harbor and then down on the China coast and into the Philippines. We had had, uh, Japan wired for sound. But they also had us sort of wired because they had a Japanese spy, he was a naval officer, hidden in the uh, Japanese consulate in, in Hawaii, who arrived in uh, March 1941, 
and began spying on the Pacific fleet. First, he was reporting a census of the fleet. We kind of warships were there, like carriers, battleships, and so forth. And that uh, it took us to the spring of 1941. And then in, in the late summer of, of 41, he started preparing bomb plots of the Pearl Harbor anchorage where these warships were anchored and sending it back on RCA radio communications uh, in, in Honolulu. Well, we were listening to all these messages, and the FBI was alerted to it. They assigned agents to follow them. But this is all kept secret, part of the deceit. And so Japan is using deceit to learn about the, the Pacific Fleet, and we're trying to get them to attack us. And uh, that's what happened uh, about 14 months before Pearl Harbor, when uh, President Roosevelt uh, summoned the commander of the fleet to the White House and the Oval Office, and told him about this plan. And the admiral just blew up at the president, and it was a hot and heated uh, uh, conversation, if you could call it that. Uh, but uh, you don't talk to the president uh, like uh, Admiral Richardson did. He was in charge of the United States fleet. In, in October 1940, we did not have a two-ocean two uh, ocean navy. And so uh, Admiral Richardson opposed uh, Roosevelt when he uh, when Roosevelt proposed uh, getting Japan to attack us at Pearl Harbor and then trigger a, uh, a treaty with Germany, Italy, and Japan, the one that would come to one another's aid. This is a backdoor approach to get us uh, into the war with Germany. They're the ones that uh, Roosevelt feared. Not really Japan. So the, uh, he adopted the plan by the Navy to uh, get Japan to commit an overt act of war against the United States. So what was the general feeling about Japan in the United States at the time, like before Pearl Harbor, uh, in the general public? Did they have any real opinion about uh, the Japanese? Well, no. Uh, well, uh, in, in my high school, we had Japanese students in the class. Uh, we were all very friendly, and we, we loved all the students. Uh, but uh, Roosevelt saw this opportunity when Japan signed the, the uh, tripartite pact with Germany and Italy in September 1940. And the tripartite pact said that the, 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 these were the Axis nations. If one was attacked by uh, another nation not in the war at the time, meaning the United States, then the others would come to their aid. So Roosevelt adopted a Navy plan seizing on this in, uh, uh, deal that they would uh, come to one another's aid. And that's why he uh, uh, adopted the Navy plan and, and we, uh, uh, there were eight provocations to provoke Japan to attack us at Pearl Harbor, and he adopted all eight of them starting in October 1940. And we were following, uh, from our monitor stations. One of the major stations was there in Seattle on Bainbridge Island called Station Sugar. 
and uh, sugar was for S for Seattle. Oh, so well, what was his plan then? So he wanted. So what did he do to provoke Japan then? Well, he adopted the, the native plan by uh, a lieutenant commander who was head of the Far Eastern desk of the United States Navy. He was stationed at Maine Navy in Washington, D.C. And he, and he, he, he came up with this plan, this overt act of war plan uh, to provoke Japan into attacking us at Pearl Harbor, which, which he said would cause them uh, uh, to, to react to, in a hostile way. Uh, his famous uh, commander, Arthur McCollum, and he was uh, a son of Baptist ministry parents who lived in Japan uh, and were teaching Baptist uh, Christian theories to Japanese. And uh, so uh, Commander McCollum learned the Japanese language. He was born in Japan. And so he learned that and uh, was able to speak and, and learn their culture. So he came up with the idea uh, after he grew up and then returned to the United States, uh, to getting Japan to commit the overt acts of war and, and uh, suggested eight to propagation to President Roosevelt. Uh, one of them was to keep the fleet at Pearl Harbor. Roosevelt had moved the fleet to Pearl Harbor in the spring of 1941 over the objections of Admiral Richardson's. And uh, then that was one of propagation. Another one was to send an American uh, task force into Japanese territorial waters to kick off uh, the Japanese nationalists that were directed to that. Other was to keep uh, supplying uh, China, uh, which was then within a civil war type with Japan. Uh, in other words, to have institute oil embargoes and steel embargoes against Japan. But that was just to show uh, they, they, Japan got uh, all the oil they wanted. They sent their tankers to the refineries uh, in San Francisco Bay. And uh, this is in October and, and, uh, and throughout the fall. Uh, 1940 and the spring of 1941. Did uh, did he think it was going to be as devastating as it was? Did he think he'd lose as many people? As oh, yes. Uh, uh, Commander McCollum, you know, he really knew the Japanese psychology. And he was playing up uh, uh, to, to, to that so that they would, uh, uh, they would be outraged and commit this overt act of war at Pearl Harbor. And uh, here we are. Uh, here we are in the United States. We're listening to the spy uh, who's been in, infiltrated into the uh, uh, Japanese consulate, and he's sending these messages back to uh, uh, Japan. 
over RCA radio communications, uh, which the, there's a station in, in Honolulu, a receiving station and a, and a transmission station. So we knew what they were doing. And we were also listening into the Japanese, uh, radio frequencies themselves. So we knew that they were organizing tankers and, and aircraft carriers, uh, so there was no, no question about uh, Japan was fighting on the uh, overdraft war plan. And so, so his ultimate goal was was Germany, FDR. Um, what was he so bent against Germany for? Well, well, Germany was, was of course uh, 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 in October nineteen forty. Germany had conquered most of Europe and was bombing uh, London and England and massing uh, uh, invasion forces on the French coast so that they could uh, so they could conquer uh, Britain and then and then if uh, Hitler had been successful in doing that uh, then he was going to come over here seize Bermuda Canada. British possessions in the, in the Caribbean, and that would have been a, uh, uh, a huge uh, burden for the United States, because we did not have a two-ocean navy in October 1940 when all this was going on. Right. and But the public wasn't behind it, and they didn't see that. Well, uh, the public was led by uh, Charles Lindbergh, who was, the, who was called the America First Committee, and Henry Ford, and the Hearst newspapers, and Father Cogdon. This is the the group that wanted nothing to do with another World War One, because with America, parents did not want to send their war their their, their children to another Europe's war and go through what they did in 1914 to 1918. And so, so they did not want to get into a war with Germany, who had, who had the wherewithal uh, for, for, for missions and the skill to create the, uh, uh, bombs, electronic bombs, and that sort of thing. But we wanted nothing to do with the Europe's war. And there were meetings held throughout the United States where Lindbergh, Lindbergh spoke against that. And uh, 80% of Americans that wanted nothing to do with the war, according to Gallup poll. So Roosevelt adopted this first, uh, uh, the Liberal Act of War plan by McCollum that would, would get us, uh, that, would, that would unite us from a Japanese attack because Americans would be so outraged by an attack at Pearl Harbor that they would join in in, uh, in the Alliance movement to defeat Germany. So that's what it was all about. And it's sort of complicated, but it was really very simple. Uh, and Roosevelt was successful in, 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 in getting Japan to attack us. And using the seat, and Japan is also using the seat. So that's an interesting thing that, that we were able to uh, penetrate their deceit because we were listening to their actual broadcasts from uh, from from Tokyo 
and was intercepted by the station. One of the stations, as I said, was at uh, on Bainbridge Island there in Seattle. Wow. And so the general public didn't really have a good idea of what uh, the Nazis were about then before the before the Pearl Harbor? Oh, yes. We, uh, we knew that uh, Hitler had uh, invaded uh, uh, Austria and, uh, and in other parts of uh, Czechoslovakia, and, and it also had worked. Uh, he, he had, Hitler and the Nazi Navy had worked with the with the Spanish Navy in the Spanish Civil War. So we knew the uh, radio frequencies used by the Japanese, uh, uh, excuse me, the German Navy in the Spanish War because they were helping uh, General Franco. And they had their battleships there. And we were listening to them. And one of the ones who was listening was Commander uh, McCollum, who was a, uh, an officer of a destroyer. And he had uh, radio cryptographers aboard his ships that were listening to the Jap- to the German radio frequencies, so we knew the communications procedures. And so, uh, after the Pearl Harbor bombing, there's a lot of, you know, young listeners, and they probably don't realize a lot of things. So, the government, American government, did what to the Japanese? They actually put them in camps. Well, to hide the fact that we were listening to the to the lone Japanese spy. There was only one Japanese spy, and his name was Yoshikawa. He was an ensign, and he was the one that sending the messages. But to cover up our knowledge of all this, uh, Roosevelt sent the order to put 120,000. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Americans and Japanese ancestry into concentration camps. And that was ordered in February 1942. And in the meantime, the Japanese consulate in Honolulu was, was uh, taken into protective custody and sent to a dude ranch in Arizona in luxury conditions to, to hide uh, uh, the consulate and the spy from American newspaper men. And, uh, and uh, so they lived in the Dune Ranch where 120,000 Americans lost all their property and were sent to concentration camps in California, uh, Arizona, and other parts of the West. So now what do you think the um, people's reaction, like how has it changed you toward uh, how you feel about uh, FDR? Well, I had no idea all of this was going on. And the person I got into in my high school, the Japanese students all of a sudden disappeared. And we never were told where, what had happened. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm a news junkie. I'm listening to Edward R. Murrow and, and Calvin Bourne on the CBS and NBC. They were said, I understand, understood what was happening in the bombing of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of England and London and what they were going through and the sinking of our, our ships in the Atlantic. This is before, this is in October, uh, in 1940. They were, and into 1941, prior to Pearl Harbor, German submarines were sinking our, our, our ships and cargo ships and warships. So I was aware of that. So was Americans. And, and I was for, uh, going there against Germany at the time. Uh, I was only, what, about 17 years old, but I, I could see what was going on there. And also, listening to what Edward R. Murrow said and Calvin Bourne, they were both warning about what Hitler was going to do and pointing out that invasion forces were being amassed by the German army on the French coast, which is just 35 miles from uh, England at the time. So how soon do you think uh, ahead of time that uh, FDR actually knew they were going to bomb Pearl Harbor? Like how much notice did he have? Well, uh, he, he adopted the, the plan on, uh, on October 8, 1940. And, uh, and, uh, and 
and, and he was getting daily uh, intercepts. These are the Japanese intercepts to, 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 uh, from uh, uh, the Navy cryptographers, as I said earlier, from Station Sugar and others there in the Pacific Basin. And, uh, and then eventually, when the spy arrived in uh, in, 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 Jan in February, in March 1941, he was getting his messages. So he knew that, uh, that he was, uh, the spy was planning uh, 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 you know, bomb plots of Pearl Harbor. He was getting all this information. And he said, David Sarnoff, who was head of RCA to Pearl Harbor, and to instruct the RCA office at Pearl Harbor to be sure they gave all the messages that were intercepted to the Navy commanders and the Army commanders at Pearl Harbor. And that was done. So they all knew that we were listening to that, but they were told by President Roosevelt's orders to stand aside and let Japan commit the first overt act. And that was order went out on November 27, 1941, just about two weeks before Pearl Harbor. That was all intercepted. So you think people would feel different about the president, FDR, now uh, about knowing this? Oh, well, the, uh, we didn't know about it. This was all secret. Uh, it was the... Uh, even after all during the war, you wouldn't talk about it. And then when the, when the war was over, all of these records were put in Navy concrete vaults in Crane, Indiana, in a uh, uh, in a uh, arsenal there, which had concrete uh, protection. And it's called Crane, Indiana, or Crane Piles. So that's where I learned about the Crane Piles when I went over to look at. Uh, at the uh, station described in the book by uh, Gordon Prang, and it was called Station Hypo. Uh, that was that was the name we had of all the same post uh, in Hawaii. And then, and as I said, there was also the other listening post on the Pacific Coast, including Station Sugar in Seattle. Hmm. So now, but this was all kept secret. And then after the war, it was all hidden in uh, in Crane, Indiana. But I was told by the cryptographers that I met at Station Hypo when I went over there for the 1982 uh, inspection. And I was the first newsman to get, the first alive newsman to get into Station Hypo. I had learned that the Japanese uh, radio station and television network I'd been there in August uh, uh, 1982, uh, 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 you know, about a month before, my, and they learned all about it. Wow. So what was your reaction? When well, you I, I, uh, I, I was told about this, but I had no proof, and so I, uh, I, I returned to Oakland, California, <laughs> to the Oakland Tribune, and we had a story, we wrote a story uh, about this station, but I did not have any of the intercepts, so I started filing FOIAs with the Navy, and they granted me uh, permission to do all of this. It was strange, 
But uh, I figured out these were new ensigns and uh, lieutenants and junior officers that did not know about the secrets of uh, the overall active war plan. And so uh, even Jimmy Carter, President Carter, in 1979 released a huge batch of these intercepts uh, to uh, the public and national archives. Well, I learned about that and filed and got those records. And there were about 2,000 uh, intercepts. These are the actual intercepts that Japan was preparing for war against the United States. We were intercepting about 1,000 messages per day at Station Ipo. So uh, and we started in July for 1941 to December 6th. So we had about 140,000 uh, uh, intercepts that were in our files. But Jimmy Carter only released 2,000 uh, of them. That was about 2% of the 140,000. But anyway, these were the very uh, important intercepts. And, uh, uh, and I saw them. They were in they were translated into English, and so I could. So then I, I uh, filed. I wanted to meet these cryptographers, and so I filed uh, FOIAs with the Navy, and they let me uh, interview them. Though I had to submit their answers to them, but the, the Navy cleared them all, and one of them was the traffic chief, the man in charge of the whole. Uh, intercept facility for the Pacific Fleet. His name is Homer Kisner, and he lived in my state down in Southern California. And I spent uh, about three or four years interviewing him, all with the approval of the Navy. But you know, there's about 3,700 Pearl Harbor books currently in print, according to Amazon.com. I'm the only one. Uh, author to actually talk to the intercept operators and including their boss Homer Kissner who was the traffic chief and I think that's inexcusable for the American uh, news media not to uh, have gotten their first hand accounts I got all the, the, the information and the actual intercepts but uh, the the what do we call them? The, uh, the Beltway uh, correspondents in Washington, D.C. apparently were protecting uh, the reputation of President Roosevelt. Uh, I, in a way, I, I was exposing this, but uh, it, was, it was the only alternative that, that President Roosevelt had to get us into the war and prevent Japan Japan and Germany joining forces and then coming over uh, and, and getting bases in Bermuda and Canada and the Philippines to stack our country. That's what Roosevelt was really after. You did a lot of research for the Day of Deceit. How long did it take you to get that book all researched and put together? Well, I'm still researching. <laughs> I've, uh, uh, I spent 18 years when the AMC was published in December 1999. Now I'm working on, I've got more records uh, showing uh, uh, President 
uh, Roosevelt's actual written approval of all of this. That'll be me in my next book. That uh, I don't want to talk about that right now. Okay. When do you? Uh, I'm still researching that. Oh yeah, I know it takes time. Uh, when do you plan to think you'll have that out? Well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm working with uh, publishers and my literary agents for uh, uh, December 2016. So I hope I could do that. Wow. Yeah, it'll be uh, very interesting. I look forward to it. Why Why do uh, the other book writers or media not really cover this subject? Well, that's a big thing. I mean, they, they gave me a scoop uh, by, by remaining silent. and uh, they, they, they don't even mention uh, Japan. And, and the uh, we had 25 monitor stations in the Pacific that were listening and reporting to President Roosevelt. I thought that was very important for the American public to know, not during the wartime, of course, but after the peacetime. I think that the 3,700 authors should have it. And also, motion picture uh, uh, scenarios, uh, uh, Torah, Torah, uh, and, 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 and documentaries, they also ignored all this. I made uh, television interviews with Commander Kistner, and uh, I have those uh, where he was telling how they were monitoring uh, the, the uh, Japanese carrier fleet when they were in the North Pacific. And on, the, on December 6th, Commander Kistner uh, wrote a, a warning to Admiral Kimmel, the head of the Pacific Fleet, and it's Japan, it's on a wartime basis. And the, and the, alerted, the alert went to Admiral Kemmel, but he had received, two weeks earlier, he had received the order from President Roosevelt to stand aside and let Japan commit the first overt act. And that's what happened. You know, uh, Admiral Kimmel on November 23rd had the entire Pacific Fleet in an exact location in the North Pacific where Japan was going to launch Pearl Harbor. It was, a, it was above, it was called the Bokovia Seamount. Uh, as you know, the Pacific is just a ring of fire. And, and north of Oahu and in the Hawaiian Islands, there are these uh, seamounts that were once above sea level, but they slowly sink and the new islands come up in, in, in the Pacific. That's happening now in, in, Hawaii, in Hawaii, in the Big Island, and uh, in Kilauea, where the, the volcano is building a new island, where, where islands that uh, we participated in, in, the, uh, in World War II, like Tarawa, is slowly sinking, and they're going to be uh, seamounts uh, in another thousand years or so. If you follow what I'm saying here, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's so? What's your uh, overall opinion now? Now that you know everything, it's all past. Um, was it was it the right thing for FDR to do? I think that was his only. It was his only option. If he had done nothing and uh, 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 you know nothing to get us into the war with Germany. And Germany was able to uh, invade England and seize Bermuda 
and established bases in Canada and the Caribbean, we'd have been toast. Uh, because we did not, our two ocean navy didn't come into existence until, uh, uh late November, uh, 1943. And so, uh, Germany had a substantial navy and Japan had a huge navy with aircraft carriers. And, and Japan and Germany had a huge, uh, submarine force that could have really, uh, hurt us badly if we had not gone into the war. So, uh, I said that uh, even though the Americans were opposed to joining the war, Roosevelt had to uh, face a third term. He ran for a third term in the fall of 1940 uh, and promised Americans that your boys are not going to be sent into any war unless we are attacked. That was his uh, 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 quota there, that uh, unless we are attacked. So in October 1940, that's when he started uh, getting Japan uh, to, to, to form a terror task force that would attack us at Pearl Harbor. And we followed all of their plans for monitoring the, uh, the Japanese naval communications. Now, the Japanese naval communications are different than the Japanese foreign office code. We also invoked that one, but we admitted to that, but we never admitted to breaking the Japanese uh, naval code. Hmm. With all Until my book has come out, and I've got the actual uh, intercepts. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a great book. Um, of, of, of all the experience you have and the, the years you've lived and the things you've seen and read, is there any books or movies out there that you think people should see besides your own? Well, as I say, there's, there's 3,700 books currently in print according to Amazon.com. Right. And none of them talk about breaking the Japanese table code and, and, and the orders going out to the fleet to stand aside and, and let Japan commit the first overt act. That came direct from President Roosevelt on uh, November 27th and 28th, 1941. Same order went to General Short, who was head of the uh, Army uh, uh, troops on, in the Hawaiian Islands, and General MacArthur in the Philippines, and Admiral Hart, who was head of the Asiatic Fleet. So both both the Pacific commanders, both in the, in the Philippines and in Hawaii, were told to stand aside and let Japan commit the first overt act. Because this is all secret. They're not going to, uh, President Roosevelt was not going to uh, uh, let the, the public know about this. And the, and the, the Washington Beltway reporters, after the, this knockdown, drag out fight that yeah, the person had with Admiral Richardson, Richardson on October 1940. He had a press conference right immediately after the, the, the knockdown drag out fight, and the reporters asked the president, "What were you and the admiral talking about?" And the and the uh, uh, and Roosevelt answered them and said, "Oh, we were just discussing." Uh, 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 maps of the Pacific 
And of course, they laughed at that, but they did not pursue that. Hmm. Well, so how do people get a hold of you, or uh, they get your book? Uh, your book's on in Amazon, and uh, um, oh, yes, in your in your in your uh, Seattle bookstores, uh, they sell it. Uh, 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 Amazon dot com is probably one of, is one of the largest in the United States now, and, and you can get it from them. Uh, or from your local bookstores in the Seattle area, they have them. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, I'll tell you. Thank you very much for uh, doing this. Thanks for your service. Thanks for um, all the things you've done. I mean, that's uh, quite a life you've lived, and uh, and uh, I really appreciate um, you coming on and talking. And hopefully, you'll come on and talk about uh, your new book when you get it together. And oh, uh, oh that would be fine. Let's keep in touch. And uh, it's a whole new generation of high school students and college students are writing me now. You, I get them from Australia and all throughout the world, Japan also. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people interested in it. and uh, Well, they're, 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 alert, they're alert to uh, these provocations from, uh, from the weapons of mass destruction. That, 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 that really uh, was used in the Mid-Eastern War, you know. Yeah. That really hit the, the young people of this country. Yeah, yeah. It certainly has uh, taken their trust away, I think. That's right, exactly. You've got that. Their trust was, was uh, hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. But it's what happened. Well, sir, thank you very much. Well, I hope I answered all the questions. It's, it's a complicated to understand all this uh, and radio frequencies and all that and breaking codes, but I hope uh, that they're at least alert to it. Your your listeners are at least alert. I think so. I think uh, we took it down to the to the basics and kind of got basic questions, and I think that that'll, if anything, it'll make them want to read the book. Well, I have all the many of these documents, including the McCullum uh, Overt Act War Plan. This is reprinted in my book, and they'll get a a huge uh, interest in that. Whatever happened to McCollum? Well, he uh, he he died of uh, of old age, uh, uh, but uh, he, he he after after Pearl Harbor, he was sent uh, uh, to, to to MacArthur's uh, Navy, which was called the Seventh Fleet, and he was intelligence officer uh, for the for MacArthur. Uh, who uh, withheld all this information, and uh, so so McCollum was really a MacArthur man rather than a Navy man. Yeah, <laughs> the Navy didn't get along with MacArthur. No, he was pretty independent, I guess, in his thought. Well, that's right. I think he was keeping it. He knew the secret, and he was keeping it. Yeah. But so did Admiral Kimball and General Short. And they went. They took the blame. They fell on their swords. They were trying to protect the fact that we had broken the Japanese naval code, and that's how we were able to win the Battle of Midway, which knocked out Japan uh, from the war. Hmm. And you do know, I always wondered why they let the leader of Japan continue after the surrender. Mm -hmm. Emperor Hirohito? Yeah. Well, because he controlled the Japanese people 
revered him as a god. You see, he was a god leader. So he controlled them, and uh, he made it easy for uh, them to accept his surrender. And also, they did not want another atom bomb dropped on them. And, uh, so so uh, uh, General MacArthur, who was the uh, allied leader uh, during the Japanese occupation, got along just fine with Hirohito and the Japanese people listening to Hirohito. There was no, uh, uh, no secret uh, bombing plots and that type of thing in Japan. They went along with, with the uh, surrender. Well, I guess that was a good thing then. Yeah. Well, sir, thank you very much for the conversation and the interview. Very good. I thank you for your insight. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.